It's that moment all of you have been waiting for. It's Slinger's time. I'm your co-host, Kane Winstead. And I'm your other co-host, Matthew Derrickish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story, and uh, how the Slingers all fit into that. All right, let's do this. 1998's Slingers, number zero, number 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, through 12. (laughs) It's the 90s, baby! Woo! Uh, Okay, yeah, let me break that down just for a second. So you've got a Wizard Magazine exclusive issue zero. Mm -hmm. Then you've got four different versions of the first issue. And that's not like four variants. That's four different versions. Uh, I mean, they were variants, but each featured a different character and would give more background on that person accordingly. So there's like a shared story between all versions of issue one, but each version has about like 10 pages, I think, that's unique to unique to that character. So you gotta collect them all. Yeah, you do. And why wouldn't you want to? <laughs> well, uh... That would segue great into the affordability section or availability section. But first, we're going to give you the credits. So all 13 slash 16 issues, depending on how you really want to cut it, were written by Joseph Harris. Uh, The main penciler for Slingers was Chris Cross, but we did have a few fill-in artists on so we had Adam Polina, Oscar Jimenez, uh, Greg Luzniak, and Javier Citeris. Uh They filled in about six issues of the 13. So anyway, uh, Matt, why don't you tell our dear, dear listeners where they can find this lovely story? I mean, they all own it already, so I don't really know why we need to go over this. But, <laughs> I mean... It's not really available digitally because this was, uh, you know, something so pristine. They know you want it on your shelves. Like Watchmen. Uh, you could buy... Well, so you can get apparently the Dusk version of number one in Comixology for about $2. Um, Cade's saying there's no trade for this, which is weird because I could have sworn I saw one, but... Um, I was never able to find a trade for the. Actually, actually, now that you say that, I think I do remember like one, like one short-lived trade. Yeah, like around when this came out, but I think it's yeah. nearly impossible to find. Pretty much, like it'd still be cheaper to buy the issues. So unless you randomly find it somewhere, they might not know what it's worth. Um, but yeah, you could go. My comic shop has pretty much every issue, including the zero issue. The zero issue at one seventy. Uh, eBay price is going about the same, but you can get most of them for about, what, a couple bucks a pop? Yeah, it's... I mean, if you're going to find this in the shop, I would definitely start looking at the quarter bin and then go from there. Um, Whoa, that is not true. This is a classic cane. You start on the wall and work your way down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I mean, these are going for what you would expect a comic of this era to go for, like a non-key issue comic of this era. You should probably Um, be able to find it under undercover price. Yeah, yeah, undercover price for sure. Um, So, you know, I I don't know why that Dusk issue, just that one Dusk issue is available digitally and that's it, but eh, whatever. Um, I think it's because Dusk had an appearance in Miss Marvel and that one issue might have had a little more inkling to a lot of what was going on in that Miss Marvel issue and so maybe they felt the need to connect it. It's dubious, but why they put stuff up on digital and not other things is always a dubious guess. I mean, I think I think you're right because that's that's typically how we get things like Lords of Light and Darkness. 
uh, that Marvel team-up annual we did digitally um, because it was collected in a random X-Men trade, so they already had to do it digitally for that. But anyway, so yeah, let's 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 move on past that. Um, you know, as as you remember for our last episode. Uh, you know, Peter ends up with four costumes. Uh, now these four costumes are on other people. There you go. Slingers. Um, <laughs> if that's not a great hook for you, you're not alone. Um, by that, I mean the letters pages are filled with people mentioning how, like, this feels like a gimmick or this feels like a really cheap cash in or whatever. But those very same people are then quick to say how wrong they were and how they warmed up to the cast. And I think it's safe to say that Slingers was one of those titles that kind of like flew under people's radar because of the premise. But those who gave it a shot found something like authentic, like something that was trying to be more than what it just looked like on the cover. Um, and, you know, Spider-Man shows up for a few panels, which I guess means it fits within the purview of our show. <laughs> well, and this... You could argue this has ties to other moments of uh, Spider-Man, given the quote-unquote main villain of the piece. Well, I mean... But we're going to have to end there. Yeah, I mean, this got ties to other parts of Spider-Man history, like using with great power must also come great responsibility as the, like... Tagline, tagline for the series on every cover mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i did i did just want to do like a quick run through of the arcs just to give like a sentence to each one we're, we're going to be doing this a little differently we're not going to do like a deep dive like and just explain all the story beats we're really going to take this kind of like a wider shot right. but but I, I did want to just give a quick so you know the zero issue which is actually like kind of important um mm-hmm. you know like you actually do need to read the zero issue which is upsetting because like it was an insert in a wizard magazine but w- whatever in that one you know dusk dies the first it the first issue is kind of a more introduction issue and as a side note i want to say that i love the synopsis that was written up on the marvel database wikia for this uh a goth girl named cassie st commons falls off a rooftop and dies but she gets better (laughs) (laughs) um but the the main thing to pull from this is that yes dusk gets better and the slingers stop a subway accident then issues two through five deal mostly with black marvel the benefactor of the slingers who hatches a plot born out of his own desire to be like a hero again uh and the aftermath of that is that prodigy disappears he goes off the grid basically um then six through eight the man who the slingers save from the subway tracks and number one turns into a rat monster called the grizz and he kidnaps the hornet uh number nine is a standalone story that gives ricochet's backstory uh where it's revealed that the x-men villains nanny and their orphan maker killed his mom trying to kidnap him doing their x-men thing whatever and then 10 through 12 Closes out the story with uh, the Slingers duking it out with Mephisto in a battle for Black Marvel's soul. So that, right. that's that's the Slingers. So, you know, we, we go kind of all over the place. Uh, you know, we start out with some heroics. Then we go to kind of like a mob story with that, uh, with issues two through five. Um, then we kind of do our own like mutants underground story with the Grizz. And then end with literal battle, battling the legions of hell. Um, with a little X-Men thrown in because, you know, it was 1999. Let's do it. Ooh, okay. (laughs) That's not fair at all. 
So No, it's not fair. Ricochet was a mutant, so like it's it's completely within the realm of possibility. And the X-Men don't actually show up except for their logo on the cover of that issue. <laughs> yeah. That's the sales gimmick part. <laughs> right. Um, so, for those of you who haven't read it, this summary might have been a little fly over your head because you don't have a basic premise of who the characters are. So, if I may, <laughs> the Slingers are four wayward teenagers with attitude. <laughs> Hornet does machines, Prodigy leads, Ricochet is rude but cool, and... <laughs> Dusk is not a party dude. <laughs> She is a she is a sad little goth kid. So wait, wait, maybe Dusk is rude but cool, and then Ricochet is the party dude. Maybe that works better. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that does work better. Uh, I mean, she's a different kind of rude than than Raphael. Um, oh sure. So that's to say that when you pull it apart, Slingers was really Marvel's first true play i'd say on kind of the four humors concept maybe i'm misquoting here because i don't think the fantastic four fit that mold very well uh for, for those of us who didn't have a degree or didn't get a degree in the humanities oh, uh can, oh. you want to expand on the humors a little bit that's uh, that was the plan oh, so okay. <laughs> um so the four humors is a literary trope that's kind of colored by the idea of or, literary it's sometimes referred to as the four temperaments the four humors refers to kind of human personalities it's a psychological idea but it goes into a very body idea with um you know and snot and all that so the temperaments or the more literary one um talks about a little bit more character social uh social so you have the sanguine the optimistic and the active in the social the party dude um you have the cleric the short-tempered fast or irritable cool but rude the melic melancholic thank you analytical wise and quiet you know Mm -hmm. machines in that case and in the slingers case because hornet is and then you have the i don't even try to pronounce it you have the relaxed and peaceful one editor's notes the name for that temper is phlegmatic is the way they say it which i guess comes to leader that makes more sense for the turtles than here because prodigy is not that at all right but he is stoic which you could he he definitely he definitely fits the, the leader type right so so I guess we'll start there. So Prodigy is definitely the leader type, but he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's got problems he needs to work through. Um, separate from where we left Prodi- the Prodigy costume with Spider-Man, a lot of the power is derived from the cape that makes him pretty much a Golden Age Superman anagram for the power type. Can, is really strong, can jump far, but can't really fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they play off that. Um, Ricochet is immune, um, so you kind of have that weird X-Men type, but not directly X-Men. So you're playing with immune, playing in society and Marvel, but not hitching himself to the X-Wagon, which in and of itself is an interesting angle to be taking. And his power set's very Spider-Man. He's very agile. He has something of a danger sense, so I think it's supposed to function differently, but we never really got there. Um, Then he can throw those discs around, and his buddy Hornet makes, like, exploding discs and, like, vibrating, like, plays up the tool set. And Hornet's, like, a low-rent Iron Man, basically. Somehow he's able to wear the Hornet... um, Jetpack. flying device even though he's not super strong which is <laughs> well you know it, it... <laughs> it's because it's technically magic yes so you can just kind of hand wave that and then yeah dusk who is the scoth girl in a suit it didn't really seem to have powers till she committed suicide slash jumped off a building that's a little ambiguous i guess right so yeah that, that issue zero uh is about the the slingers training and they're all jumping over 
like jumping over an alleyway like on, on top of the buildings like you know like you see daredevil or spider-man or whoever do all the time and they've gotten to the point where everyone has jumped over except for uh dusk and it, it's a little ambiguous so they say they're like all right we're 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 gonna turn our backs count to three and then you're gonna jump and there's a little play about her getting kicked off the team if she doesn't make the jump and yeah. She's torn up about this because, you know, Ricochet and Hornet are clearly joking, but Prodigy seems to not be joking. And it's strongly implied that instead of jumping, she just dives off the building. But it's it's never really flat out said. And it's also not explored in the greater series. Um, the, this, the story, or like, Slingers was canceled. It didn't end. So, like, there are a lot of plot threads that don't get developed. Um, and I, I think the biggest one is they never really cover the mystery of what happens to uh, Cassie St. Commons. Um, it, it's it's touched on and, like, they, they kind of... Uh, all, all we really know is that Mephisto had his hands in all of these matters, so there might be something going on there. But that's about it. Right. What's interesting, though, is so all of them get some sort of, like, power or play from Mephisto, which when you continue with these characters past this run makes for some confusing points. But, uh... (laughs) Um, but supposedly Dusk gets her powers really elsewhere after that transaction, which makes me wonder what she was supposed to have had other than like a black bodysuit. Well, I mean, technically the, uh, the Dusk costume was supposed to like just have powers intrinsic to itself. That's what we learned on Identity Crisis. Right. But that doesn't seem to be present. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, so like the premise the premise is a little shaky as far as like a continuation of identity crisis one because like the suits don't necessarily um act like they were like they did when introducing identity crisis and two the story never tells you how black marvel came into possession of these suits all, all we know oh they do it totally does well we know that he made like a deal with mephisto to like get four like I, I i let me repetal say we never we never understand why these four suits oh yeah yeah i mean aside from a metatextual well, reason why these four suits unless you're willing to like read that bob harris is actually mephisto or something <laughs> is that like is that an actual like fan theory no i oh. just like make the connections <laughs> i mean i wouldn't put it past someone to like <laughs> You know, have like a 24 part YouTube video series about like, you know, you know how people do. Um, But yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, this is this is a fun series, though. Like, I I had not read it before this. I I don't think I had heard of the Slingers. I I knew of Identity Crisis, but I I don't think I knew of Slingers. Um, And so but reading this, it was a fun take. Like, it's, you know, the, the characters are young adults. Uh, older teens like they're they're like freshmen in college i think um they're all they're all in college i I think prodigy might be an upperclassman uh which means they're about 18 to those who aren't familiar with american school systems to be fair i don't think they explicitly state the year as they shouldn't as you're going to be dealing with the marvel timeline so you don't want to put hard right they are college aged um right and and you know it's it's a well written college age like you you have some stories like the most recent Starbrand and Night Mask I think um, 
which was a continuation from the new universal stuff from the late 80s uh that was a story that was set in college that was i felt like really missed the mark on how it felt to be like a college student and and kind of that atmosphere but this one this one the characters felt young in this but not too young um like they had just that that right right level of like anti-authority yet still trying to like find their place and and figure out exactly who they are um which i i I feel is indicative of that that time in a young person's life so yeah no i i think you're right i think hitting that that time period and that's the thing is you have that first bit across the first issue but a lot of the middle of slingers is just these characters dealing with themselves and their emotions like like one issue is just called truth or dare Mm -hmm. and it's literally just them playing truth or dare but they have superpowers they can amp it up (laughs) and a lot of them really want to go for the dares rather than go for the truth and they're asking questions that the audience wants to know assuming they're invested in the story and I i think that's part of what made this so interesting looking back on it now was i i ate this up as a kid but i didn't realize like this is a fairly quiet story there's a little bit of super heroics but there's only really three super villains throughout the entire run right one being the grizz that you brought up which is the rat guy um from the subway incident then there's mephisto and then there's the orphan maker right and and then i guess you could say the black marvel but the black marvel things this whole weird interpersonal relationship with them where prodigies really aligned with them at the time of that story uh trying to appeal to the authority and the one that gave them the powers and is just kind of the step in line guy well the rest of them are setting that something's fishy because the all of the black marvel's thing is he wants to relive the past when he was a hero and so he literally tries to recreate his biggest moment that was caught on film in this hotel that was burning down and so he goes back to the hotel and sets it up to burn down and they're all supposed to play their part but they're supposed to be there to make him look good mm-hmm. and things go awry and the hotel burns down <laughs> spoilers right which you know reading this i was uh it it amused me a little bit that like this premise for the black marvel was similar to the the other story that we read from uh web of spider-man uh eight and nine where you have this this kind of like washed up hero kind of creating which i mean i i'm not saying that that story ripped off um you know or that slingers ripped off web of eight and nine i I think that's something of a (laughs) a minor trope uh you know you know kind of like the the washed up hero kind of creating uh creating problems to solve so that they can continue to feel good about themselves um because it's a natural metaphor for superheroes with someone who's older trying to seek out their glory days and doing so with some younger people as their mentor in some fashion like it's yeah it's a natural story to have happen as there's many you know stories that have their own superhero stuff that naturally carries through so totally yeah um so yeah uh how do you so all right here we go which which one of these is your favorite like a uh, favorite slinger like which one resonates with you the most so uh, for me it's between uh hornet and ricochet mm-hmm. hornet we didn't really cover this before but hornet whereas he is a uh, kind of iron man tech character uh play which is something i usually respond to a bit uh he has cerebral palsy so when he's in the suit he's able to live out and feel like a hero but more just generally he's able to function like a normal human as well something about that really spoke to me when i was younger and i think is something that i think makes the, a lot of these tech characters more interesting and is a play that we see through you know the 
this magic science sort of thing happening. You have a similar arc with the lizard. Um, you have a similar arc with a character that uh, happened earlier in the 90s that was connected to Spider-Man called Annex mm-hmm. uh, that plays through as well. And I, I just thought those characters were more adult, but this idea of a kid who's engineering inclined but handed the suit where suddenly he can use both of his hands or whatnot to work on things and all that really made some interesting plays with the story where when this gauntlet was taken off from his costume he became infinitely more vulnerable and he had fears and problems to really struggle with whereas Rico was kind of made to be most people's favorite character I think he's the most personable he's the bad boy of the group he's got a leather jacket (laughs) Uh, but he's also the most like Spider-Man he's the most kind of normal kid he's mostly trying to like have a girlfriend have a relationship and get through school and do the superhero thing because he wants to do the right thing he wants to have some cool stuff and he's trying to play things up but he's also not the most technically minded he's not the natural leader he's not the pe- the one people respect i think that was interesting is he tries to get ahead and push for what's right but people won't get behind him as much because he's kind of a screw-up and that angle i'm reading into a little bit that elements there especially in that truth or dare episode or issue i was talking about earlier but that aspect is something I've had kind of happen in a way in my life and so I really resonated with that especially at the time and reading it now I I thought it was such a cool idea for a character to be that way and as we've seen Ricochet continue throughout the Marvel Universe here or there that stayed with him no matter who's writing him and I think that's made him my favorite in the long run especially since uh, Hornet got unceremoniously axed yeah definitely got the short end of the stick so uh the claw (laughs) short end of the claw (laughs) yeah killed between issues by wolverine on mark miller's uh wolverine run mistaken for spider-man and then beheaded posthumously so that he doesn't come back as a hand zombie um <laughs> like a terrible plausy hand well i, I mean yeah. so uh, like <laughs> so ricochet goes off to join the losers which is another group uh spinning out of runaways yeah uh uh, you know uh prodigy becomes an alcoholic out of nowhere for civil war and then hooks up with the out of nowhere i think it's a pretty natural (laughs) well yeah he's he's anyway and then you know dusk the one who gets the most love after this series he becomes part of the uh avengers initiative and he still shows up in like the weird side avengers stuff from time right uh you know and then dusk dusk pops up here and there Uh, i think i think you'd mentioned that she was a a minor character here and there with Miss Marvel, uh, a run I've been keep meaning yeah. to pick One up. One story. One story. Yeah. Okay, a really minor character. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, Aranya uh, was also is also a minor character in that Miss Marvel uh, that Miss Marvel arc or run or whatever you want to call it. So it might might behoove us to read that um, at some point. <laughs> Right. Well, and so I think that speaks to something, too. Like, I'm kind of shocked that Hornet didn't kind of get resurrected one way way or another, because what they're doing with Iron Man have been for a while. I think he'd fit in great. Uh, uh, Dusk would be interesting because the Marvel mystic side of things could use some flushing out and could definitely use a goth girl character. (laughs) Oh, what? uh, Nico from Runway is not doing it for you? No. (laughs) Well, he... Cast for life. (laughs) Come on, man. I'm a Slingers fan. We're here now. It should be obvious. 
Um, no, I, no, I, I think that is a good point because I, you know, the mystic side could use, I think, fle- like fresh, fresh blood and not necessarily in a, like, you know, Robocons. hoary hosts of Hagroth or whatever kind of magic, but a more like, Ooh. uh, Ooh, are you knocking the Ditko stuff on a Spider-Man? A bold move, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just mean one that's not based on casting, you know, the er, spells and chanting these incantations, but instead just kind of mystically aligned uh and carries like a mystery about them rather than just uh you know magic lasers and whatever what have you sure i mean you got ghost rider you got blade you got a handful of other freaking weirdos in the marvel (laughs) right well i mean ghost riders in space right now blade hasn't really had a remember when we were tax evasion man that's gonna rule anyone uh but anyway we're, we're getting we're getting a little bit away from it uh i do remember we had on our twitter a a uh, poll a few months ago asking our twitter followers which was their favorite slinger and I, you know if i remember correctly it was far and beyond ricochet with uh hornet being a distant second and zero votes for prodigy <laughs> Right, um, which I thought was funny because I thought maybe more people might have run across Prodigy as he's had the biggest career of the four. Well, I, I think part of it is that he's not been a likable character at any point. And like, not that every character has to be likable. Like, you can have characters that aren't likable and still enjoy them. But like, yeah, he, he's just, he's, when you when you presented the list, he's he's the honeydew of, of the melon. Uh, well, no, one, no one wants to pick up the honeydew. You go for the watermelon. I, I agree with what you're saying, but in a weird way, him being the eternal conflict guy, like, he's a great character. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's trying to do the right thing, but he's an ass. <laughs> and he's always, a, and that aspect of him God. comes through. <laughs> And makes him a heel, makes him do the wrong thing for what he's viewing as the right reasons, but they're not really the right reasons. Like, he's very much an interesting way to conflict and conflate the means versus the end. Mm -hmm. And for that, he makes a really compelling character. And I think he was much more interesting for that in the initiative and where he went to than he was in the Slingers at the time. Because it was three on one, and when he's helping out the Black Marvel burn down a hotel, (laughs) there's not a lot of moral ambiguity at that point. But he does have a come-to-Jesus moment. Right. Right. In there. And uh, he's also like checks out for, you know, uh, about a third of the story. He's not in issues six through nine. Um, right. And he was supposed to be gone longer. He was supposed to really be presumed dead mm-hmm. uh, because he, his come to Jesus moment is right at the end when the hotel's burning down. He has a bit of that Spider-Man 36 thing with, you know, the weight of everything on him and he's struggling to hold it up. And he doesn't quite pull it off the same way Spider-Man did and uh, crumbles under the weight at the last minute, but saving everyone on the way out. It's an act of heroism. And then he's supposed to be presumed dead. Mm -hmm. So it was supposed to be held on a little longer. So when he has a return, uh, him having a character change would carry a lot more weight and also give a character resurrection or return, have a lot more weight and fold into the story in an interesting way, as opposed to what we normally get with character returns a la, I don't know, Return of the Wolverine to throw one out there. God, my uh my comic shop was pushing really hard for me to pick that up i was like no no every time every time i pick up a book because you guys push it on me it's always awful so i didn't read that one um so i i don't know i'm also not like a big x-men person so give her because 
the Return of Wolverine had four miniseries and then its own series. So there's a whole thing with a range of opinions that I've heard here mm-hmm. and there, good or bad. I haven't read all of it or much of it, just a little bit. But the problem overall with that, as opposed to what we were talking about with Prodigy, is that Wolverine never felt like he was gone because you had this whole Wolverine core in his absence with the new Wolverine in X-23 and Old Man Logan and Sabretooth kind of taking up some of the space for a while and like he was gone I guess but not really so it yeah without the absence felt their return means nothing and with it just being held within the slingers having one of the four down for the count for you know an arc or two you'd feel that difference and so the fact that they had to wrap things up quickly and bring him in for to have him in the last act did kind of stymie it but you also did have that effect because he was gone for a while and then he came back when he needed to they just kind of had to rush him in so he didn't get to have a grand entrance right and and the absence was felt like the characters ruminated on it and and kind of like their betrayal uh or black marvel's betrayal and 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 that sort of element to it um well and they feel bad about him dying especially because in the last minute they saw he was a good guy trying to do the right thing and so you know if that moment hadn't happened they kind of would have been like it sucks but oh well whereas now they had pangs of guilt about mm-hmm. it. and that conflicted emotion really carried through which i think again was something we don't get as much with a lot of comics where you have this complicated feeling about a character passing and this really played it up to a way that i think would resonate with a lot of people you know someone just passed they're not your best bud but it's someone at school who mostly was a decent guy but died doing something stupid or in this case the reverse and that emotion was very human and i another aspect to the story that i really like that you just don't get a ton of in a lot of other books okay um that that was going to be my next question was you know what, what exactly spoke to you you know uh you know, in this made made it such a uh, enduring story for you. But I felt like we really touched on that. Was, is there anything you wanted yeah. to add to that or? There is. So like, I, I've kind of skirted around this, but I really feel like whenever I read Slingers, I feel like there's a potential for the Slingers to fit into the Marvel Universe in a way that would have made the entire Marvel Universe feel more cohesive and more interesting. Because you had these four characters that didn't mean to, but were kind of newcomers representing different corners of everything, and them working together independently in that really flesh out. I mean, really the idea that you have kind of an Avengers-esque hero, and then an X-Men-esque hero, but neither of them are that, and they're just working together because they're trying to do the right thing i can see them bumping up against uh other other characters in different ways and really kind of making you question what makes a hero and what makes a vigilante because there would be some untrustworthiness which we were starting to see with spider-man um that kind of got dropped halfway through because spider-man has another appearance partway through the slingers and he's really pushing like because he knows where these costumes came from but he doesn't know why these kids have them and he's trying to figure out what they're doing and they screw up their first time out and he's really he's pushing that kind of big daddy marvel superhero thing where he doesn't want these kids out there doing the wrong thing and he wants to discourage them from going out again because he doesn't want to see anyone hurt and he thinks he can handle it and when ricochet them run into him they play spider-man because they know he's trying to take him down but when he realizes they're trying to save him that's great but at the same time uh, spider-man has to catch a bridge (laughs) you know like he does Uh, yeah you know he's just boom benches it bam like a boss but he's stuck there holding it and at that point the action's over and ricochet's like all right well good luck we're out (laughs) (laughs) and it's this total play where you've seen that sort of thing with spider-man doing that to other heroes when he needs to make a run for it usually like cops or something though but 
And now it's getting played on him where he's not, you know, the hip kid in town with more of the edge. He's more of the established hero. And here's these characters he has no idea, but he has a connection to and playing that through. And just, it sucks because there's so much untapped potential that we didn't get to see play through. But the story allows you to take a lot of guessing games out of it. It's just fun. I'm just still broken up that we didn't get to see that play through. I want to touch more on that, like, Spider-Man connection and not necessarily just with the character, but more like thematically. Because, you know, the more the more I, I think about this the more like this kind of does work as a spider-man story like it clearly it's not about a character who is bitten by a radioactive slash genetically engineered slash you know magical totem spider uh and and given the proportionate strength and speed of of uh, but it, it carries that same energy like it feels like a spiritual successor uh that that same torch where it's it's about young people and and the issues of identity that young people face um you know the 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 issues of the transition from childhood to adulthood and and what that means to a person which i think is a a big part of spider-man especially the er earlier years and i i feel like you really feel that in in slingers i I mean what do you think yes (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I have much to add to that one. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But well, it's it's a similar similar feeling I get when I read or um, Gravity, which is uh, kind of a, a mid aughts story by um, I'm blanking on the name, but uh, Sean McKeever. No, Sean McKeever. Yeah. Sorry, um, transpose that. But uh, I mean, in in Gravity is also you know a underclassman in college like it's about the the same the same age characters. Oh, there's a lot of similarities between Gravities and Slingers that I think you could pull back. Right, right, and and if I recall correctly, Spider-Man pops up in that that series as well. But oh, but yeah. it, it, I don't know. It's just, it's not every teen book has a feeling like this. And it's it's so hard to put my finger on exactly what it is that makes this feel the the same way I felt when I was reading those early Spider-Man stories. Um, you know, like like the characters would get along and would would relate to each other. Um, I, I just I, I I don't know, but it's it's something that I, I it's something that's there. Well, and just in general, I mean, I love my Spider-Man stuff, but I do particularly like smaller team books. So not like Avengers or X-Men where you have this sprawling cast. Not that I don't like those comics either, but I, there's something about smaller teams or like families working together that works on a level because you have this built-in interpersonal dynamic that I think a lot of us relate to. Like we go into the office, we have to deal with the same people every day, you know, we come home and same people every day. And how we get through situations together is usually more relatable or interesting than just someone trying to figure it out on their own because it's very rare that you have people truly on their own which is part of the reason why you know spider-man has the supporting cast why iron man has the supporting cast even though it's supposed to be a solo book the people that you fill in your life around you influence that as much as well and so when you have these characters where each one of them is brought to the forefront that interaction i just think makes any story more compelling overall i think that's really well put um so we, we've talked about how there there are some uh, unfortunate circumstances, you know, because the book was canceled. Uh, are there anything, any particular, like, parts that stick out in your mind the most as, like, the most potential lost um, because this was not continued or, or 
you know, your, your biggest gripe that we never got to see more of something? I mean, seeing these characters buff up against especially their obvious connections to the Marvel Universe more directly, I think could have been a really interesting play that I really feel was missed out on. And then learning more about Cass, what happened there, because that's kind of the obvious character mystery that clearly was going to happen, we'd get a chance to. And seeing what was supposed to happen with Prodigy carry through um, is something that I feel we just missed out on a story that was halfway there and didn't get to continue through. Right. Um, For me, I thought that Hornet, was a really interesting character and i was i was kind of bummed out that like that didn't get to get played out more i was bummed out that of all the characters he was the one that was utilized the least and then killed off um you know because hornet for me it was just a really interesting character because on top of the the issue with you know his palsy or whatever I mean, it was the suit was the suit gave him confidence. It was kind of like the same the same thing that Spider-Man does when he puts on his suit. It's like he becomes a different person. And like there were times like he has like this kind of crush on like a, a, a hallmate of his or or whatever. And then and this girl's like dating this like jerk boyfriend. So he he puts on the Hornet costume to give himself confidence and kind of like stick up for her. And it never quite works out for him. <laughs> but like um and then and then he also kind of starts developing feelings for cassie who seems really kind of like discon like moving further and further away from like human emotions and becoming more and more disconnected uh and more like id driven well she makes out of three codes. well yeah well th- th- i mean that's what i mean by id driven um you know okay. it, <laughs> it it's I, I i get the feeling that she she makes out with ricochet not not because she's interested with him but kind of like purely out of a libido thing um but <laughs> Anyway, which has some imply, would that be that crooked? Anyways, uh, um, well, you know, you get you get <laughs> like into to really spotty areas of the Marvel universe, um, because can you have sex with the spot? I don't. <laughs> oh God, I don't even want to think how that's gonna go. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, before we lose our clean rating, we're just gonna move straight past that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So by the one part we haven't covered that I think is natural is how did you feel about the ending? Because the ending is them going to hell, facing their demons, and ultimately all of them except Cassie rejecting the powers that were given to them, which has different implications for each one of them. Right. And moving on, which like we like we talked about at the beginning, the hinge in was kind of sloppy because they were just making the story work so they could continue the series. The hinge out I mean, works for the story within itself, but as these characters continue through, uh, clearly they didn't ditch their costumes, so it kind of <laughs> takes a little bit of the punch out of it. Not that it's intentional, but it is one of those branding to grand story moments that Marvel doesn't handle very right. Well. You know, it was the ending did throw a little bit of a loop for me because I felt like it was a little out of their depth to be fighting the legions of hell but on on the same token the whole story was was about these characters being out of their depth um you know cassie dies slash kills herself because she's out of her depth um you know prodigy is too naive and allows himself to be manipulated um ricochet is caught like he i mean we get the most story out of him and he's constantly juggling so many different things and trying hard but like you said he's kind of a screw up at times um hornet gets caught you know blindsided by the grizz and it's like so so much of this these stories are about these kids trying to make it and trying and trying so it makes sense 
for the final chapter to be the ultimate out of you know you know punching punching above your weight class kind of kind of story or, or fighting above your weight class rather and so it is compelling to see them overcome that not just because they're you know because of their their physicality but because of the strength of character and that's how i always feel like you write a good ending to a story i, I think we talked about this probably on on the b the b title stuff since we've talked about but um no no we talked about this on the the final adventure stuff i i always feel like what what makes for a more compelling ending to a grand story is not necessarily like a big punch out but something that affirms the characters and and their their um uh god i, I completely lost the their yeah they, yeah confirms really? the character's arc and their personality and what they stand for and definitely and you get yeah that exactly here. you get that here so like it's solid ending right the only part like i said is moving forward like what they're doing is they're giving back their costumes except for cassie who can't <laughs> uh, but she takes off the mask which i guess counts and they're giving that up so that they can free the black marble's soul this guy who brought them their powers and brought them together but ultimately kind of tried to kill him i mean successfully accidentally killed you know or semi-successfully killed one you know prodigy quote-unquote died right. uh cassie died because of you know you can't really put that you, on no, black no you can't put on the black either. marble but anyway yeah um but like the idea that rico's castaway's costume isn't a big deal like he's giving up the discs supposedly right but he's still you know, mutant whatever and a sweet leather jacket <laughs> i mean and yeah yeah that leather jacket but i mean yeah i'm biggest sacrifice here is is hornet prodigy or or oh. or prodigy oh no uh, let's 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 talk about that what what, what, what made you go to, to prodigy well because prodigy wants to be a superhero mm -hmm. in and out um he he's giving up his powers because his, all of his powers are held within this cape that he has which spider-man didn't have when he was wearing the costume so that's an interesting <laughs> it was in the original design off. but yeah it was dropped when uh when they brought it to the to the comic right and so he's actually giving that up. Eddie is finding, he, he, through this process at the very ending, he actually gains the confidence to be okay on his own. And he plans on continuing being a useful member of society is basically what's implied. But yeah, he's giving up the Hornet costume, but he, he's really transcended past it in this last moment. And he doesn't really need it mm -hmm. anymore. And so he's truly moving on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, that tracks. That tracks. I follow that. I mean, you're right. It is a sacrifice mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, bigger than the other two certainly uh, but i i really think it's Pro prodigy making the bigger sacrifice here which actually is hilarious because then he shows up as prodigy you know the next time you see him which completely undercuts the entire he thing, shows up as prodigy so. drunk <laughs> in civil yeah. war but um well i mean dude just got out of hell. <laughs> you know he's got some problems i you know probably have to do myself <laughs> all right um I think that's going to close out the discussion on this unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about. I, you know, I wouldn't, we go through a lot of stories and, you know, if, if, if you're pushed to read it, please do. If our discussion's enough, that's fine. But this is one where I'd really encourage you to go read the slingers. It's cheap. It's easy to find really. I mean, not digitally, sadly, but this is, this is a corner of the Marvel universe that isn't explored enough. And I really think whoever reads it is probably going to pick up some detail or some feeling a little differently than the next person and you'll get something out of it that neither Kane or I did so highly recommend you check this one out and to call back to something we said before how did you not read Slingers before reading Trouble? Trouble is an infamous story that like it's well known like people know it like they they might not have read it 
but the, it's known for being awful. Like it's it's like the room. It is the room of Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> it's not that fun. <laughs> I had a blast reading it. All right. Um, oh, all right. So let's uh, let's go to our back half here, shall we? Okay. All right. We're here at the back half. So, Kane, does Slingers feel like a Spider-Man story? Well, I mean, we already kind of touched on that, but I think ultimately. As like as much as a story can feel like a Spider-Man story that doesn't have like Spider-Man or isn't obviously trying to be Spider-Man like that one DC story that just came out. What was it like? Sideways, sideways. yeah, yeah, sideways. Um, <laughs> but like. <sighs> Yeah, it's a team book. Yeah, none of them are Spider-Man. Um, yeah, none of them are necessarily like a Peter Parter- Parker-esque, but it still has that same energy, the the, the same, uh, you know, feeling of, 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 of a young Spider-Man. So yeah, I'm going to say this feels like a Spider-Man story, and anyone else who says differently can fight me. I'm going to take one step further. I think a lot of what Slingers was trying to keep in mind, this was the 90s, was diversify from where Spider-Man started to have that kind of character for other people. I mean, Prodigy maybe not as much, but I mean, you know, Rico's, you know, a little Hispanic, a little different kind of a family life sort of deal. You know, Hornet has the disability, and that's going to reach to certain people. I mean, sad as it is, Cass was a goth girl, which at that time, you know, fit a certain demographic. I mean, just a girl mm-hmm. at all. And I mean, we've gotten Spider-Woman. Yeah, and Spider-Girl was coming out concurrently with this. Right, the yeah. Mayday Spider-Girl. Yeah, so... You know, I, I think trying to expand what that could be for different people made this connect the way that Spider-Man more did in its, it quote unquote, in its <laughs> day, you know, the 60s. Right. Well, all right. Um, this is going to be a really dumb question, but uh, reissued or untold? Please, again, to a lot of what we've been saying with three issues stuff, please, Marvel, put this out. Make a trade. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Slingers showed back up in uh, Scarlet Spider uh, last year. And, I mean, while, yeah, Scarlet Spider is not selling, like, blockbusters, I'm, I'm surprised we didn't get at least something out of that. Like, um but uh yeah yeah so i mean i i'm also going to go with reissued um you know the like the only caveat would be like i you have to acknowledge that it was canceled you have like when you're reading it you're going to have to be okay with some things just not getting picked up or not being fully fleshed out like it's it's kind of like the, it's the same thing I tell people when I recommend they watch Lost, the, the TV show. Like, it's a really good show. It's a fun ride. You have to be okay with the fact that you're never going to know why Walt has superpowers or whatever he does. Like, it pre, it, like it's just, it's never going to happen. You're never, like, some things just aren't going to get answered because too many weird things happen with production on that TV show. Um, and it's it's the same way here. Like, you, we're just, you know, in, within the pages of Slingers, we're not going to understand why we got the identity crisis costumes you know we're not going to really understand what happened to Cass you're not really going to get to see much backstory for any character other than Rico like it's just that that's just what's going to that's going to what it's that's what it's going to be and you have to you have to be able to enjoy the story kind of in the moments rather than going in expecting a fully complete and fully fleshed out uh narrative yeah totally so how number oneingness are we putting this on our list? Okay, see, going into this, <laughs> I was going to suggest You should have seen Kay's eyes shift on that one, guys. That was beautiful, and I'm sorry we couldn't capture that. Going into this, I was going to suggest we make an entirely separate ranking 
just for the Slingers, where Slingers will always be number one, baby. Always number one. <laughs> wow, that's a sidestep. <laughs> oh, I'm the king of sidesteps on this thing. <laughs> um, uh, I I feel like, all right, all right, all right, you know, being serious, I, I feel like it's going to be difficult ranking this objectively for you because this is like a <laughs> beloved childhood title. Like this, this is, you know, um... Man, I mean, I'm just saying, I think objectively it should be number one. Where do you objectively put it? I didn't expect this to ultimately land on number one because we have to, you know, put it between things. And also, there's a good point to be said that Child Within actually was a complete story that ended, whereas this, you know, has some. I mean, okay, so everything. I'm looking. Uh, okay. I'm trying to decide between two and three. Is it is it above Spider Manga or is it below Spider Manga for me? Ooh. All right. So like you're already there. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like. Well. Okay. So I'm looking. I'm looking at it this way. This was more entertaining to me than Identity Crisis. Like this was more fun. More sure. fun than Identity Crisis. It is more fun than Ident- Identity Crisis. Is interesting, but there's so many weird moving pieces. And the way we looked at it, it was like a snapshot of '90s Spider-Man with a bunch of things with a weird hook to bring where we were looking right. together but to try but we basically got an intersection of the middle part of four different stories that's not satisfying that's not cathartic that's not super enjoyable mm-hmm. as much as much fun as the oddity is going through it and that's pretty high on our list all right. things considered and- but from a like general what you're going to love in a story versus another like yeah it's a big punch down. and like th- this is this is better i would say than that uh barton hamilton or uh green goblin story which was still a good story and it was it was it was strong but like th- this one's just it's it's a little bit more modern uh so like it it reads a little bit more modern and not necessarily that it's a better thing but it's you know, we, we had some hammy aspects to that story, which fit in well with what it was trying to do, but it, it still pulls you out a little bit. Um, not to say that this doesn't have some of its 90-isms that pull you out or its own hammy aspects. I mean, we had an entire issue where they fought a billboard that came to life. Um but like i don't know i i feel like as a whole this was still more a a more enjoyable read uh while might might not not necessarily be as important to like the spider-man oeuvre it's still it's still better than that one and then vibes vibes is a really good story vibes is a story that i would recommend to people who don't read spider-man or don't read superhero stories but it is just a one issue it is just kind of like a, like a palate cleanser in between arcs um it's it's a strong story but at the end of the day it's only a 22 page story and it's you can only do so much within those 22 pages yeah it's a tight small story i mean i think that one was a little more than just a palate cleanser between arcs but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, part of it with the Slingers is like, we're all, it's an unfair punch. Like, it's an entire, you know, cut short but beloved run versus, you know, this one random right. ASM issue. And, and I mean, like, I think I think also what, what's going into our opinion is not necessarily just the Slingers itself, but the potential it re- uh, it, it represents. Uh, and I, I, it's it kind of like the same way that people look at Firefly. Um, you know, it's a good series. It's oh. a good series. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
man. You just made a face. It's a good series, but like I think one of the reasons it's so beloved is because of the potential the show showed, but it wasn't able to follow through because it was canceled. Right. Right. And then you got. Well, started. that's I didn't. That's why I didn't say anything about that. Um, I'm glad we're on the same page there. <laughs> um, but hot takes though, man, we might get oh, a letter about that one. Yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, so anything, I'm but... I'm gonna go put it under Spider Manga. Um, just because Spider Manga is so fun and um. I don't know. There's just there's just something really cool about uh, the the Spider manga and recreating the Spider Man story using none of the same characters other than Spider Man, not not Peter Parker, just Spider like the titles, right, but right, not right. the characters. And right. yet it's so recognizable. Yeah. Like it's just, I mean, it's it is a mastercraft adaptation. And so like I, I feel like number two, like that, that's fine to be a number two. Yeah, considering it just spent a little over a hundred dollars getting all the Spider. I'm comfortable <laughs> with that slotting. Uh, yeah, getting those last issue guys was a mm-hmm. trip. It took all my internet cutting of getting uh, issues on the slot. <laughs> all right, so number three, the Slangers. All right. all right. Well, that brings us to our surprise announcement for our final entry in Slingers Month, which, unfortunately, because of the way the books were cut up, is only going to be three episodes. Sorry, folks, but... But I really hope the surprise makes it up to you guys. Matt, you've been sitting on this since August when it went down. Do you want to tell our readers or our listeners now what what we got in store for them next week? Sure. So I want to preface this by saying at the time, Kane was being a delightful weeb at some <laughs> anime con. And so I sat down and I interviewed Joe Harris and the Chris Cross about Slingers. And look, this is, I, I could definitively say this having looked for competition this is the definitive interview about slingers with revelations and facts you won't hear anywhere else about this series even if you have an inkling of interest about slingers you got to check out this interview and i want to apologize ahead of time uh the audio is gonna be something i'm working on we're gonna do our best but uh the way it was recorded is making it a challenge but we're doing our best for our dear listeners and it'll be worth uh sitting through a few blips and bloops to get at what they're talking right. about uh, you know that, that's that's the hard part with these creator interviews not everyone has you know recording backgrounds or are technically inclined like to to really understand and not saying that you know we don't appreciate the the creators who do this and, and whatever and nor do we expect them to you know bend to our 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 whims yeah but like it's just it, it's what happens when you interview people over the internet um you know we, we can only control the audio quality so much but you know it's it's like like matt said this is the only time that i think anyone's been able to interview both these guys at the same time like and and it's i'm excited about it i like like matt said unfortunately i was i haven't heard it yet like i was i was out of town so like i wasn't able to sit in on it and i was i was busy with other things like i'd planned this trip for about like four months in advance and it just you know the universe didn't align but i'm excited for it it's gonna come out next week uh slingers interview with joe harris and chris cross um after that past that 
Our next block will be titled Like Sands in the Hourglass. Uh, we will be uh, announcing next episode, you know, kind of like the, the tail end of that interview, what those titles will be. And uh, I think I think I might, might try to slip in an extra episode outside of the block for Halloween, but we'll just kind of have to see um, how everything lines up because Matt and I have not solidified what stories we're going to be talking about in that Sandman block. Uh, I definitely have some handfuls and some ones I want. I definitely want to talk about. Um, Spoiled a little bit. One of them is not going to be a Spider-Man story again. Um, well, I mean, Sandman's had a pretty wide career, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, Sandman or we got Slingers Slingers interview and then some Sandman stories but that's going to be it for today uh, so I want to thank everyone for tuning in you can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook for updates and more we also have a Patreon $3.99 a month grants you access to our Spider-Man B-Title reviews the Amazing Spider Talks Amazing Spider-Man reviews as well as the VIP section on our Slack community the Amazing Spider Slack we have a second donation tier, $10 a month, gets you commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists you cannot get anywhere else twice a year. Um, Matt, where can we hear more Slingers talk from you on the internet? You know, I'm at MagicalMatt42 on the Twitter. We're going to be putting a little bit of this up on our Untold Talks of Spider-Man Facebook. And, of course, right now you might notice our icon on Untold Talks SPMN on Twitter is still Ricochet, looking like Spider-Man. And that is the hub for all things Slingers without an eye on <laughs> yeah, Twitter Yeah, good right job now. typoing that Slingers hashtag. Oh my god, it got engaged with <laughs> Well, you know, it's just, there's no I in team, so there's no I in our slingers month hashtag <laughs> that all of zero people are using um anyway you can find me at kane Wrights on twitter uh we want to give a special thanks like always to the ellie batch for providing our theme song so you want to listen to more from them check out the show notes and until living billboards enter the workforce replacing the very people they're advertising make mine untold <laughs>